I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. And welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy. Danielle is in California. Hopefully not on fire. Nope. Huzzah! We win again. <laughs> we win again. What's going on, Danielle? What have you been up to? And from apparently Facebook says you've been to like eight <laughs> concerts this week. It was a weird time. It was a weird time for Danielle. So... Normally, October is my busy month of the year, but somehow it turned into September this year for various reasons. So I'm sure you've seen that meme of Lady Gaga where she's like, bus, plane, no sleep, another club, bus. Like, that's how I feel, basically, because it's something like almost every day, whether it's like a home activity or an out-of-the-home activity. So it's like, I'm just like, ah, But yes, I did go to many a concert. I went to Lady Gaga, which was incredible. Mm. Amazing. Wow. This my second time seeing her. She was fabulous. Um, And then my cousin actually gifted us um, tickets to Moulin Rouge, the musical. Wow. Very last minute. It was not part of my initial plan. That was like a super last minute, 24 hour notice type deal because he got he got the tickets gifted to him and had two extra so my mom and I went they turned out to be fourth row tickets which was incredible and um the play is amazing if you're a fan of the movie you will love it if you're not a fan of the movie you will love it it's just a party it's super fun so if it comes to where you live I highly recommend seeing it it's amazing it's so well done And then, yeah, and then we went to Nine Inch Nails on Sunday, so, and that, we had tickets for over a year, so that one was long in the planning, but, and they were also great, and that was a long day, it was a general admission show, so we had to be out there, like, two and a half hours early, so that was a joy, and you can't bring chairs or anything, so it's like, yeah, the floor on my floor. I understand why, but, like, the the old lady in me is like, let us have chairs, like, (laughs) I'm the mom at the at the baseball game that has the wagon with like the chairs, right. and the cooler. Like, right. I am here to be comfortable. So yeah, but it was a very busy weekend, and then luckily this week is kind of chill. We have this. That's another thing. But then, yeah, and then hockey starts soon, so there's some hockey stuff going on this weekend, and then and then we go to Disneyland. So it's like blue. <laughs> so you much. are. Little Miss, go out and do everything. Like, you're going to need a significant cool-down period. However, oh, yeah. I think that's going to happen, like, right as the holidays start. So it's perfect. Yeah. Well, like I said, October is actually dead. Like, I have two concerts in October, but they're the first week of the month and the last week of the month. So I'm not, you know, they're ways spaced out. My birthday is happening. That's pretty chill. You know, I'm just, I'm doing stuff, but not, like, crazy and then Halloween is a Monday right which sucks is it a Monday I think it is I have to look honestly I have been 
I have no idea. Like, I've been so covered up with it's everything. A, it's a crappy day. I feel like it's a Monday or a Tuesday. It's crappy. I feel like. Oh, you know what? So, I think you're um, right because I feel like it was Sunday last year. Yes, it was also kind of crappy. So, yeah. Actually, that's very um, good for business if you sell costumes because when, when Halloween falls on a Sunday, people party Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And they don't want to wear the uh, same thing to every party. Well, there you go. So in your case, it works out for you. But for the children, it's not so great because they have to go to school. But um, right, it's but yeah. So that's what I've been doing. It's a lot. I'm tired. <laughs> Trying. To, this is the most I've done in like a long time. Like I said, everything just happened all at once. It's like one of those like everything tornado. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. Just hang October's on because mm-hmm. stuff's going down. I know. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you'll have some downtime in October. I am, I'm flooded with um, orders right now. My skeleton tuxedos are super popular and they have been since the beginning of September, which is pretty odd. I usually do not get busy uh, that early. Um, I'm excited because I re-upped for tuxedos because I hand paint these tuxedos with skeleton bones and I, um, I had sold most of the ones that I had because I just like, it came in a lot of stuff that I bought from a store that went out of business. So they were like rental tuxedos. And I'm like, what am I going to do with these mm. 90s rental tuxedos to move them? <laughs> um, but it turns out when I paint with bones, they look real badass. Um, so I had almost sold out of those. And then this this year, I bought some more. Like in a moment of insanity, mm. about like 83 more <laughs> coats. 83. I got a really good deal. Um, I got a oh, whole line. That's a lot of coats. Like, I got a whole bunch of sizes. <laughs> like, and and then the the cut is perfect for what I do. I was like, all right, I'm gonna put these up and see what happens. And I've been completely overwhelmed. But the point is, is that I'm spending a lot of time in the studio during the day, which gives me time to like catch up on horror movies I haven't seen in a really long time. Um, so you and I are gonna have to talk horror movies this October. If you have like more downtime, things are gonna be more quiet. Yeah. Like, let me let me know what mm-hmm. you're watching because I'm watching stuff from like five, ten years ago. I should have already watched. Oh, I've been I've been doing the same thing. A lot of it I have watched though. I I just I feel like just watching old stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just in that like nostalgia moment of life where I'm like, I just want to watch old shit. I don't really care about new shit. Like, unless it's something that's been on my radar. But like. I used to be where I'd go on Shutter and like watch the new new things, but I'm like, I just want to watch old stuff that like I know is good, you know. Well, okay, but. so I'll fire off three, three. So like the old stuff that I know is good. I had the cave on the other day. Oh, um, that's an old one. That's an old one. Um, an old one that I had never seen. I watched The Boy. Okay. Uh, um, it's got the girl from Walking Dead in it. And it's yes. like the doll. I think it's supposed I to be like Robert the doll, mm-hmm. but it was surprising. I was yeah. I was surprised by it. I I really expected it to be dumb, and it wasn't that, that bad. One. I did not. I didn't see the sequel, which came out I think last year. I did. I the watched the sequel because I I had him because okay. I was like, huh, that one wasn't bad. Let's see what the sequel. The sequel was not as good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um and then I watched The Countdown, which I think is somewhat new, but not really. That one's on my list. So now that you've watched it, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll check it out. Because it's I on was my like to watch. I was surprised by it. I was yeah. not expecting it to be scary. I was not expecting uh-huh. it to be well shot or well done. Like I thought it was gonna be kind of a throwaway 
because we went and saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies in the theater. And oh, it was I awful. loved Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, you didn't like you it? You liked oh, it? I liked oh, it. I thought it was so I... dumb. <laughs> so dumb. I think. And maybe I it's because we were all drunk. Okay. Because it, it, okay. So the thing with that, I won't get into a whole thing, but I think the thing is with that, with that movie, you have to realize it's making fun of itself. And it's making fun of like everything that's going on in the culture right now. And so to me, that was hilarious because oh, it was the people funny. were so I just didn't the people think it was were so insufferable. I didn't feel like it was scary either. I felt it was just more of a thriller, you know? I didn't really think of it as scary. Like once the story picked up, I was like, okay, this isn't really a scary movie. It's more of just like a who done it sort of kind of, you know? But and again, yeah. we were super drunk. Like we yeah. just came from like uh, a three-hour dinner where many margs were had. Like <laughs> when we got to the AMC, they wouldn't even serve one of my friends at the bar because she oh, was wow. so okay. drunk. So yeah, I, was like, I would try watching why. it with I would try watching it with sober eyes and see how you feel. Because if you take it not seriously and you laugh at it, and you for me it was a fun skewering of people that ty- of types of people that I genuinely loathe. So I was like, this is great. Yeah, they're all awful. You all like, deserve to die because you're yeah. all awful. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. I think I took many. joy in that. But yeah. Well, so we were about to tell a story with many characters as well. But real quick, tell me, are you having any snacks? Unfortunately, I am not because I just had dinner. But I may have a snack midway through your story. And I will report back if I find something. Please do. So. Please report back. Be like, hey, Christy, <laughs> I got to go get this. I'll be back yes. later. But tonight, okay, a couple of warnings up top. Number one, it's going to be a longer episode, you guys. Um, I've not done one of these in a while. We usually try to keep it, I mean, pretty short, je- definitely no more than two hours. We're going to try that as well. Um, but this is one of the earlier books from when he was still writing really complex plots with a lot of characters and I can't really leave anything out or nothing will make sense. So while the book isn't super long, this episode might be. Uh, So just sit back and just relax, dig in, get a snack. You may need a pencil for this one, not in the way that you're gonna need it to like try to figure out who done it. I mean, I think it's kind of, it's pretty obvious. Like I'm not gonna spoil anything. It's pretty obvious right out the gate, like what's happening. Um, But there are kind of like a set of characters. It might be hard to keep them straight. Okay. So fair warning. Did you hear my dog in the microphone? No. He like like smelled it and then like licked it. Aw, buddy. Oh, I, love the dog I, was like, I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> There's Corgi across uh, the street now. I just wanted to tell you. Is she a baby or a full grown? Uh, he looks pretty big. Like, not like big, big, but like middle of the road. So, not a baby. They will get super big. In case anybody missed it, uh, we got a, a baby Corgi like a couple months ago. She's like five months old. Uh, and she's precious. amazing. Uh, her full name is Rose Olina Princess Paws. Weber. Um, and she is the baby for sure. She rides with me to pick up the kids from school every day. Like she's a little wiggle butt. Like she has a knock, like a little stubby tail. So like when you go up to her, her whole back in like does the washing machine. It's pretty cute, but I digress. So 
For tonight's episode, we are covering the Halloween party. This is one of the e earlier Fear Street books. Did you read this one? did all right this is one of the earlier ones and i chose this one um because it's halloween my decorations are up the horror movies are on during the day when i'm working in the studio i'm burning the fall candles it is time okay yep (laughs) at first glance i did not remember reading this one and it's possible that i did it's very similar to when we read twisted Mm mm-hmm in a lot of ways, so I think there might be some crossover in my memory from that, but I don't particularly remember reading this one. But it's totally possible that I didn't, and I forgot. Living for this cover. This is the original cover that I have. Uh, it's a pretty girl, and she's got this, like, kind of kick-ass mushroom cut, which is something I never thought I would say. Uh, but it suits her. And like a like a weird like flapper kind of way like it's just she has just enough curl to pull it off. She's wearing a dress and a cape. There might be a jack o' lantern chasing her. It's hard to tell. Maybe it's part of the decorations. Who knows? There's a a graveyard right and a lot of mansions in the background. Um, okay, maybe not a mansion, but like definitely like a two full story house. And then there's that, well, it has a widow's watch on the top, and it always reminds me of Hocus Pocus. Yes. And so whenever I see, like, a house in real life that has, like, a widow's watch, I think it's, like, super fancy. Uh, Because there's not really a utility for that anymore. No. So, like, they either become, like, a space for kids or reading or, like, some kind of hobby-related something, or they're used for storage. Like, it's a... It's a fancy room that no one needs and only rich people understand. I definitely got the better cover because I'm looking at Google and there are some poo covers to this one. No, yeah, I agree. The OG cover is definitely the best and it's fantastic. One has a scarecrow with a pumpkin head. I'm like, what is that? And then just a jack-o'-lantern head and another one that's like a skeleton jack-o'-lantern head and that's it. It's literally just that and it's red. (laughs) Well, the, the jack lantern on the cover, though, looks extremely cool because it's actually shaped like a head, like a skull. Right. It's not like a pumpkin-y shape. Right. But I don't know what the hell jack lanterns have to do with anything because I don't think it ever comes up in the book once. So just cause. Whatever. That's um, the copyright is 1990 by Parachute Press. And this one uh, still has the pages in the back where you can send away for more books. Uh, the rate at this time was $3.75, excuse me, $3.75 per book. And then you had to include $0.75 cents to cover postage. <laughs> there is a special instruction on these order forms to only send check or money order, no cash or COD, please. <laughs> Which I don't ever think I've used in my life. Have you ever used COD? What does that even mean? Cash on delivery. What does that mean, though? Like, what is So that, that means get? that, like, you pay whoever delivers it to your house. Oh, okay. So, like, a pizza guy. 
Yeah, I'm totally unsure about how this works. The only other time I've come across, like, it always makes me think of Auntie Mame. Uh, there's yeah. that scene in Auntie Mame where uh, he comes in to buy roller skates for the orphans, and she's like, why don't send it COD? And he's like, well, this is a charity. I really don't think they want to pay for it when it gets there. <laughs> and she's like, listen, this is the only, like, I only know how to fill out that slip. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to do it any other way because she's new at the job and she sucks. Anyways, but I was just like, really? COD? Like, even when we were kids, I'd never even. Yeah. I think we have discovered something that was before our time. Finally. It's a miracle. (laughs) It is. The tagline reads, there's going to be an uninvited guest at the Halloween party on Fear Street. Dot, dot, dot. Drink this bourbon, then we're going to get into it. Getting fancy over there. Just old. Just old, my friends. (laughs) My husband and I did a day date at the casino today. That's how old I am. Oh, the day date today. I got got a player's card. (laughs) Maybe I'll get a fancy lanyard for it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, lunch was free. Um, <laughs> any hoodles, yeah. We were the only people there under 60. Um, yeah, you know, fine, live your best life. It was fun, <laughs> okay. Let's set the scene. It's early evening on Fear Street. The street lamps have come on, but a small and steady chill is working its way through Shadyside. The moon is bright and low in the sky as the autumn leaves make a satisfying crunch, crunch, crunch sound beneath the feet of Terry and his girlfriend, Nikki. The beam of Nikki's flashlight sweeps back and forth across the damp ground off of Fear Street Cemetery. And it's safe to say that Terry is a little creeped out. Nikki, however, seems excited. She's wide-eyed and alert because she's kind of a spooky bitch like us. Nikki's flashlight passes over a nearby rotting grave that only reads, Died October 31st. 1884. Nikki points it out to Terry that the person in that grave died all those years ago on the very same night as tonight. They're taking a shortcut through Fear Cemetery to a Halloween party at the old Cameron Mansion. Nikki is dressed like some kind of a princess or something. She's got like a red dress and we learn that she has been almost completely deaf since some kind of an accident in the second grade, but that she spoke so clearly and she reads lips so well that you wouldn't know that she was hard of hearing if you didn't know, right? See, Nikki can't hear all the sounds of the trees, the strange animal calls from deep in the woods, the screeching gate of the cemetery, but Terry can. 
and he's definitely starting to jump at like every little noise or bug that flies too close to him. Nikki drops her mask and then she goes back to get it. And when the couple are confronted by a tall hooded figure blocking the exit at the end of the shortcut, they start to freak out a little until they realize that it's their friend, Murphy, who's just messing around. He's dressed as a rotting corpse, and it's a very convincing costume. After Terry pretends that he was not, in fact, scared by Murphy's prank, they all head off in the direction of the mansion. This is going to be the best party of the year. And now there's a time jump. And it's two weeks... It kind of is. And it's two <laughs> weeks before the Halloween party. Okay, so we go back two weeks. Backwards. Backwards. All right, so let's talk about Terry for a minute, okay? Terry has a lot on his plate. In addition to being Nikki's boyfriend, he's got school grades to keep up. He's got a job uh, for those school classes, He's on the student council, and he's got student council meetings, and he's also a big brother who's trying not to be a shit teenager, and he wants to help his little sister learn to ride her bike this week. Terry's plate is full. We feel you, Terry. We get it. It's lunchtime at Shadyside High, and Terry is standing at his locker trying to find his lunch and all the mess of papers and books inside when Trisha walks up behind him and starts to chat. All that Stein says about Trisha is that she, quote, has a bit of a weight problem. Wow. Right? Rude. But that she is the most friendly and enthusiastic person that Terry knows. Okay. Oh, so she's the funny fat friend. Exactly. Exactly right. She's game for anything, but she's... Yes. As Terry finds his lunch and he's chatting with Trisha, a white envelope falls out of his locker. He picks it up and opens it to find a fancy cardstock invitation with a picture of a coffin on the front. He flips it over and there's a lot of writing on the back and Trisha explains that it's an invitation to an all-night Halloween costume party at the old Cameron Mansion and that she and probably everyone else in school got one too. Tara's excited. What a fun idea for Halloween night. You know, there's a bunch of stuff on the invitation about, you know, quote, special surprises and games and overall it sounds pretty cool. Trisha seems more surprised than excited and she explains that because The person who's throwing the party, Justine, has not really lived in Shadyside that long. I mean, everyone kind of knows her from school. Uh, They know that, like, her uncle bought the old Cameron place and they're they're fixing it up. Um, It is a big, old, rotting mansion that sits right at the edge of Fear Cemetery. And just like everything else on Fear Street... It's supposed to be haunted. 
there is some confusion uh, because Terry and Trisha aren't really super good friends with Justine. They don't actually know her at all. They have no idea why she would invite them to her party. But the one thing that you need to know about Justine is that she is the new girl, okay? And she's gorgeous. She is mysterious and she's leggy. She has perfect blonde hair, light green eyes, and she has got more boobs than most of the senior class combined. Like she, I think they refer to her as stacked. Okay. She has a, a very mature body. Um, and she's so new though that nobody really knows anything about her other than she's hot. And I guess that like having an all night party on Halloween that she's just invited the entire school to, that's a power move, Justine. Good job. In the lunchroom, Terry sees Nikki and excuses himself to go sit with her. Now, Terry and Nikki have been together for like six months and they really like each other. Terry thinks about how lucky he is to be dating Nikki, who is just one of those like super charismatic people that you, you always want them around. Like no matter what's going on, like if they're with you, you're going to have a good time. They're going to have a good attitude. Like you're going to have fun just by like being in their airspace, right? And his pet name for her is Funny Face, which would be cute. But being my mother's 80s born days of our lives watching child, I cannot separate it from Fancy Face, which is what Bo always called Hope on days. It drives me nuts. Throughout the whole book, I'm like, nope, don't call her that. I'm the only one who cares. Terry shows <laughs> Nikki his invitation, and she says that she got one too. But that no one else in her homeroom did. Or in fact, no one else in any of her other classes. So now they're even more confused about why they, of all people, got an invitation. This is not a situation where everyone was invited. Somehow they were selected. Nikki says that she has Justine in gym class. And that she doesn't really know her very much. Other than she's a really good athlete. But they don't, they don't really talk. Throughout the rest of the day, the mystery around the new girl builds. Lisa from the school paper says that Justine lives on Old Cameron Mansion with her uncle, who is her guardian. Her parents are divorced or dead or something, and they lived over in Europe and many places moving around before they moved back to Shadyside. And she's some kind of cousin to the Camerons who used to live there. Oh, and by the way, the Camerons who used to live there, they all died horribly of course years did. ago. And, of course, the house is haunted. Duh. In biology class, Terry has a conversation with Ricky, the school prankster, and, quote, biggest dweeb. <laughs> and I feel like we've seen this character before, um, but I'm having trouble placing it. I think it comes back up and we've solved that a little bit later, but we've seen Ricky before. This is a character that has appeared um, in, an, in another book. Well, in between telling Terry about his science project and asking Terry to call him Mr. Wizard, Terry learns from Ricky that Ricky has also been invited to this party. So, 
now Terry's like even more confused because a guest list seems to be compiled of like many different social groups of kids that don't like really relate at all and aren't really friends. Okay. And he's still thinking about the party later in the hall when he meets up with Nikki. Nikki tells him about her day and how she feels kind of like a celebrity because everybody's talking about this party and trying to figure out who's invited. They pass by school paper Lisa in the hall and she has figured out all the kids who got invited and made the list. There are only nine. Nine random people in school got invited to this party by the pretty girl that no one knows. And they are as follows. Are you ready? Okay. Let me get a drink. Okay. Number one. Terry. He is our main character. Okay. Terry is studious. We already know that. He also plays tennis. So he's not a total throwaway, but he's by no means a jock. Number two. Nikki. His deaf girlfriend that everyone likes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number three. Trisha, the happy girl with the weight problem. <laughs> Number four, Ricky, who's the school prankster and, quote, dweeb. Number five, someone named Murphy. He is a football jock, straight up. Like, there's nothing else really about Murphy. Number six, Angela, who is described as slim and pretty redhead with, quote, a fast reputation. Oh, so the hoe. <laughs> the hoe. <laughs> Number seven, Les, who is a science nerd. Les. Number eight, Dave, who is also on the football team. And number nine, Alex, Nikki's ex-boyfriend, also on the football team. Also probably still has feelings for her. Uh... Okay. Okay. And this whole thing is, like, starting to sound like a murder mystery dinner. Have you ever been to one of those? Yes. <laughs> yes. They're fun. They are super fun. If you Guys, if you haven't been in murder mystery, go to murder mystery. It's super fun. Like, it's exactly like this. And you can, like, like you get. You can order kits now and they come, they, they'll bring it, they, you do it at your house. Like, you don't even have to, like, go do all Yep, you can. Mm-hmm. You can't. So, we, um, we live somewhat near Briarhurst Manor in Colorado Springs. And um, it's a beautiful house, and they have an amazing chef. Like, it, during normal times, you can go, and it's one of those places where you're going to spend a couple hundred bucks for dinner. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing every step of the way. It's going to be, like, seven courses. Like, it's going to be super fancy. Nice. So, like, at Halloween and at Christmas, they do murder mystery there. Oh, cool. And you buy it by, like, a plate. So, it's dinner. Oh. So, I think it's, like, $100 a plate. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, seven courses. Um, and so, like, during the whole first part of your meal, the actors are coming into all the different rooms where people are eating and, like, talking to you in character. You can ask them whatever questions you want to ask them. They kind of move from table to table. And then... At the end of the night, you go to, like, a ballroom where they serve coffee and dessert, and that's where the murder happens. And then, like, your table for coffee and dessert is your team. Oh. And you have to decide, like, who the killer is. That's fun. Super fun. Yeah. Agreed. 
I love those things. But that's what this reminds me of. You get this like token character list, right? There's the hoe, the jock, <laughs> the fat girl, the, you know, all the things. <laughs> this Alex, this last guy I talked about, Nikki's ex-boyfriend, it's going to be kind of a problem for Terry because Terry and Alex, they used to be best friends until six months ago. When Nikki broke up with Alex and started dating Terry. Okay. Right? Kind of a jerk move. So, kind of, kind of. Like, Nikki is, like, always painted as, like, super sweet and charismatic, but she did, like, break up with one best friend and then immediately start dating the other best friend. So. Yeah. Not chill. So it's going to be the nine of them. And the mysterious and gorgeous Justine. Sounds like fun. Doesn't sound awkward at all. And just like that, Justine swans into school. She has conveniently been gone at the doctor's appointment all morning, and she's just arrived. Of course, she looks amazing, and everyone in the hall confronts her, and they want to know why she invited the people to the party that she did. And she plays it so cool, and she says that she just invited the people that she wants to get to know better. And she immediately locks Murphy and Dave into the party with a promise of a dance with her. And just then, Bobby and Marty, who are two jocks from the football team with very bad tempers, come by and ask why they didn't get invited. And Justine just tells them it's because she didn't want them to come. It's a small party. They aren't on the list. Bobby and Marty kind of stop off calling threats and expressing anger over being left out of the party. Like you do. It's never ever occurred to me to stop up to someone and be like, why didn't you invite me to your party? (laughs) Because that would make them want to invite me. Um, Anyways. Alex walks up to the group and we learn that Alex, Nikki's, that Alex, Nikki's ex, who has feelings for her, remember, also is Terry's ex-best friend. But Alex is super hot. Like, extremely hot. Like, mucho muscles, kind of like easygoing good looks. And he's a smoothie. He walks right up to Justine. He like drops a wink at her and he says that he got her invitation and he is for sure coming to the party all night long. Okay, he didn't say that, but it was definitely implied. He's throwing like huge like panty melter vibes. Like Alex is chef's kiss hot. So what you're saying is Terry is a downgrade. <laughs> Physically, yes. <laughs> Physically, yes. Like, she might like Terry more, but, like, Alex real hot. Um, Murphy asks if he can bring his girlfriend of two years, and Justine tells him no. Wow. She says it's not a party for girlfriends. And she just says that she hopes to see everyone there. And she bounces. So the guys are left, like, staring at each other, and... They start kind of like daring each other to go to this party, right? Because they're kind of doing that thing that dudes do where they start ribbing each other about like, oh, are you scared? I'm not scared. I'm going to stay, you know. Yeah. It's haunted. It's in Fierce Cemetery, all the things. And what ends up happening 
as the group splits into two teams. There are the jocks, which is Murphy, Dave, Alex, and Angela on one side, and the wimps, which are Terry, Rick, Les, and Trisha on the other side. Nikki refuses to take sides and she thinks the whole thing is stupid and that she should they should all just like work on their costumes and enjoy the party. Alex somehow insinuates that like this whole thing is a contest for Nikki somehow. Mm-hmm. Like whoever can stay in the house all night will prove that they are like man enough to take care of Nikki and that they deserve to be with her. And even though, like, Nikki never said that shit or condones any of that, like, that's what we're left to understand. Right. So the party has now become a you-can't-scare-me contest. The group is split into two teams, and each team will be trying to scare the other into leaving the house before the party ends at sunrise. Um. Leading up to the party, everyone's parents... Let them go to this all-night party because reasons. Um, my mom would have been screaming at me about getting pregnant, but okay. Yeah. Danielle, would your mom let you go? Uh, what grade are they in? I spaced out. They, I'm guessing they're like juniors. Mm, maybe maybe seniors. It's an all-night Halloween costume party. Probably. I mean, probably not. Unless she like, unless she knew every human soul that was going to be there, you know, if it was like all. My well, they did say that like her uncle was going to be there as a chaperone. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it's if, like if I was a senior, perhaps, and she knew at least most of the people I was going with. It wasn't just like strangers, but I don't know. It's hard to say. I never would have wanted to. Yeah, so it's a scenario. <laughs> Like, wouldn't have come into my life. I think if it had been my friends, I would probably, but like people that I don't really hang out yeah. with, mm-hmm. it would have been a little weird. Like my BFFs forever, like sure, you know, but like just randos, right. no. Right. Well, it's everybody's clue. allowed to go. It's literally Clue. It's just like we all have a house and we don't know each other. Exactly. It's very Clue. <laughs> um. <clears throat> And then the murderer took the secret passage. Sorry, I'm not going to go into it. Um, (laughs) And then two teams are all thinking up ways to, like, scare each other, right? They're all, like, cooking up these big pranks. Um, In fact, they start before the party even starts. Like, they're pranking each other at school. It's kind of stupid, like, harmless stuff. But then Terry gets, like, a severed chicken head in his locker. Could be stuffed, doesn't say. Where did this stuff? But it's a threat from Alex. Oh, okay. I don't know. Like, he opens his locker, and there's a chicken head in there, and there's a note from Alex, and it's like, here, so you can get started on your costume. Okay. It's, it's dumb. Or chicken. Uh, they're all just, like, baiting each other and, like, ribbing each other and getting annoyed at each other. Right. Um, but also, Justine catches wind of what they're doing, and she's super into it. Like, she's, like, egging them on. She's like, this is great. We'll add this into the party. It's going to be super fun. Um, but again, we still don't know why Justine chose this group of kids. Like, it's all, like, a lot of unknowns. And what's more, like, Terry's starting to act kind of like a jealous asshole when it comes to this thing, because Alex is around a lot now, and it's 
it's starting to piss Nikki off. That afternoon, Terry walks into a very rapey situation. I guess Murphy and Bobby from the football team have Justine, like, cornered in a loading dock by school. And Bobby's got her by the wrist, and he's, like, in her face and intimidating her, being like, you know, you really should invite us to the party. You should change your mind. And she's like, no, you're not coming. This party's not for you. You are not invited. And he's... And Terry has to, like, step in and be like, hey, guys, leave her alone. And for some reason, they decide, like, not to push it further. Like, they do leave. But, again, they're throwing all kinds of threats and shit over their shoulders about how they'll be sorry that they weren't invited. Mm -hmm. So we've got these two, like, dumb and dumber jock scenarios that are kind of a threat we should probably keep in the corner of our eye. Um, but of course, Justine takes this moment to hit on Terry, right? He's this knight in shining armor moment. And she's doing that thing where she like runs her finger down his chest. And she's like, thank you for helping me with this situation. I'm so grateful. I'd like to show you just how grateful I am. And Terry's like, whoa, bitch, I got a girlfriend. I'm going to need you to like take a step back. But he's not totally unaffected. Like, I mean, she does have big boobs. We already talked about that. Like, he's super excited about it. At all times. He does what he's supposed to do. He goes down the hall and finds his girlfriend. And they're about to, to walk home when a note falls out of one of her textbooks. And all it says is, you'll wish you were blind too. Ooh, that's nasty. Isn't that nasty? Yeah, Terry's upset. Like... He starts flipping out. Like, who would do this? Like, she's a nice person. Like, she doesn't deserve this bullshit. And he immediately thinks that it's Alex. Like, Alex has sour grapes about her not dating him anymore. Um, and, like, he's put this shitty note in her textbook. And Nikki's like, yeah, I don't think he would do that. Also, you look pretty mad. Can we just... <laughs> like, let's forget all about this. Like, let's just go home. Like, this is stupid. It's a joke. It's, a, it's in bad taste, but it's a joke. Like, let's just... I want to go home. Yeah. And Terry sees that, like, she's really upset. So he suggests instead of going home, he's going to take her to Pete's Pizza. We love Pete's Pizza. Uh. <laughs> Try to cheer her up a little bit. So they drive over to Pete's. They're having pizza. And she looks, like, out the window and she sees Justine standing in the phone booth outside of Pete's Pizza. And remember, Nikki can read lips. Right. And she's seems kind of shocked and Terry's like what's what's going on and Nikki says well I, you know I wasn't really trying to eavesdrop but whoever Justine is talking to all I caught was she's telling them quote they will all pay Ooh. and then there's a fade out and now it's Halloween night so let's jump back to the party I'm going to need a drink here all right. Terry, Nikki, and Murphy all arrive at the Cameron Mansion together. And it looks exactly how you'd think it would, right? It's this, like, massive old rundown house in the middle of the woods. It's got drooping shutters and chipping paint. Stein did mention that all of the ground floor windows had security bars on them. And Nikki, it turns out, is supposed to be some kind of, like, period carnival reveler type thing. 
Um, she's wearing like a like a red ball gown and a cape, and she has this like feathered mask. So think kind of like carnival in Venice kind of a thing. Terry has a mask too, but he's dressed like a 50s greaser. He's got like saddle shoes on and he's rolled up the hems of his jeans. He's rolled some cigarettes into his shirt. You know, super cute. Slick back hair. Murphy, as we already learned, is dressed as a rotting corpse uh, in because we discovered that in the intro. Oh, yeah. The inside of the place looks amazing. It's all old furniture and Halloween decorations. Think Casper, right? Mm. I love that movie. So much. Um, as our very good friend from Paranormal Chicks would say, that was sleepover porn. But what like you would watch that movie quite a bit. I wanted. I wanted. Um, I didn't care about the ghost. I was like, I'll live here. It's cool. <laughs> So cool, like all the design inside, and like so awesome. I totally would have lived. Um, yes, Justine comes down the stairs, and of course, she has gone sexy Halloween. And if you don't know what I mean by sexy Halloween, there are two girls at Halloween (laughs) there is sexy Halloween and fun Halloween. (laughs) One of them looks you. You know the difference. Like, um... Mean girl. She's dressed kind of like Elvira. Exactly. And we'll get in... I think I even wrote that down here. It's like the excuse to wear lingerie and animal ears. Yeah. (laughs) And she goes up. She's like, you know, what are you supposed to be? And she's like, I'm a mouse. Duh. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Justine has gone to this, like, Elvira dress thing. She's claiming to be a vampire, but we know what's up. Um... She introduces her uncle and caretaker, Uncle Philip, who is dressed as a clown. But it's a creepy clown mask, not because it's scary, but because it's a sad face clown. I do not enjoy sad face clowns. I don't enjoy any clowns except the killer clowns from outer space. Other than that, I don't want any clowns. Oh, so classic. How how long do I have to wait before I show my children killer clowns from outer space? Oh, cheese ball. I don't know. I think they can. I don't think you have to wait much longer. If they can, they can handle it. There's like barely any blood in that movie. I don't think there is any blood. I feel like I was six years old when I saw that first. I don't think there is any blood in that movie. Because, like, when he, like... Yes, there is, too. I don't remember, but, like, it's negligible. There's that whole scene where he turns him into cotton candy and then sticks the silly straw in and sucks the blood out. Oh. But it's, like, you can barely tell. It's not, like, <laughs> gross. You know, it's not, like, so much everywhere, you know? <laughs> but, like, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, like, this whole thing with, like... Her coming down in a vampire costume and then, like, this crazy, like, nondescript uncle showing up in a sad clown face mask. It's probably, like, the most horror movie thing that's happened so far. Because the uncle's not saying very much. So we don't know what or who or what he's for. Yeah. Um, He's just creepy. But the uncle welcomes them. He's just creepy. He tells them that, uh, you know, he and Justine are so happy that they're all uh, have come. And they've done everything that they can do to make this party a night that all of them will never forget. And just looking around, like, Terry can tell they've spent a shit ton of money on this party. But honestly, like, there's only nine guests. And Justine and her uncle. So, like, 
lots of club lighting, like tons of like fancy and like spooky food. There's like specialty drinks and the place looks like it's set up for like a hundred people instead of 11. But Angela shows up. She's dressed as uh, a biker girl in all leather and fake tattoos. Um, And you know what? This is all pretty weird, but they're stoked. Like, it's all very festive. Like, you know, they're getting to do something cool on Halloween for once. You know, they're they're teenagers. They probably haven't done much since they were kids. So they've decided, like, they're just going to lean in. They're not going to question it. David and Trisha are talking on the other side of the room. David has worn his uh, basketball uniform, but instead of a basketball, he carried a life-size paper mache human head. And Trisha has also opted for sexy Halloween. Uh, She's in this like 50s cheerleader outfit. And remember, she's kind of chunky. So even though like Terry thinks she looks ridiculous, he decides that she can pull it off because she seems to be having such a good time. Wow. Good for you, Trisha, you know. Good for you. <laughs> Trisha's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm wearing this shit. Like, I look great. Yeah. Like, that is that is the way to be. Exactly. And then Ricky shows up. <laughs> Ricky is my favorite. <laughs> He's dressed as a frog. Um, he's got on like green long underwear oh, and um, snorkel flippers. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. He even tells the story about his mom got really mad at him because he almost ruined her washer dyeing that long underwear green. Oh, <laughs> that's the win. I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. So. But the point is, like, everybody went all out on their costumes, and it's rare. It's rare that you find yourself in a Halloween party scenario where, like, it's decorated to the max, the food is amazing, and oh yeah, everybody went all out on their costumes. Like, no stupid BS t-shirts that say, this is my Halloween (laughs) costume. Like, everybody has, like, put some thought into it. I don't know if those existed yet. (laughs) Oh, no, probably not in the 90s. Um, But, you know, Terry, so everybody's dancing, right? Having a good time. Terry's decided that his girlfriend is by far the prettiest girl at the party. And when the music switches off, there is a loud bang at the door. The door opens, and there's a tall figure framed in the doorway. And Alex, remember Super Hot Mm -hmm. Alex? Alex steps into the room. Danielle, would you like to, to guess what Alex is dressed like? Hmm. Maybe he's like French charming or something. Like Okay, I don't know either because it's weird. Okay. Um it's okay, well yeah, so if it helps, I don't understand. Um and again, it's like that scene in Mean Girls where it's like, you know, the lingerie and the animal ears. And she's like, what are you supposed to be? And it's like, the point is to look hot. Okay, so we've established how ripped Alex is. Kind of like Channing Tatum in the first Magic Mike. Alex is wearing skin-tight, metallic, silver bodysuit. 
and a glittering silver face mask. So kind of like he's just a sort of silver surfer. The disco ball. Like, what is he? Well, okay. So when he walks in, Justine says something like, "Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the silver prince." Okay. So I was, I was kind of on with the prince <laughs> thing, but I don't like a glitter prince. <laughs> Exactly. I have no idea. Um, Silver Surfer is what comes to mind when I think of this. (laughs) Um, And the point is, like, Alex is looking sexy, okay? He's dancing. The lights are bouncing off all those muscles. And he is, like, for sure the center of attention. Nikki doesn't seem to notice, though. And she just asked Terry to dance. She can't really hear the music, of course, but she can feel the vibration. And Terry says that she's actually a great dancer. In the middle of the song, there's a loud bang. And the room fills with smoke as the music stops. Justine stands in the middle of the room and says that it's all just a trick and she wanted to get their attention. She reminded them that their invitation said that there would be a lot of surprises and for now they're just going to do some more dancing. But she wants to tell everyone a true story first. Justine is like part mystery girl, part hype man, I guess. She's moving this party along. She says that in the Middle Ages, when people danced, they were thought to be possessed by evil spirits. And that some people danced so fast, they danced themselves to death. She asks, is everyone ready to see how fast they can dance? And everyone cheers. And Justine hits a switch, and all the lights go out. And a strobe light from the top starts to flash above them. Loud and fast techno music starts to play and everyone starts to lose their minds dancing like the rave scene in Blade. lights go out and the music stops someone calls out to justine asking if this is another trick but she says that she's not sure what's happening and she asks her uncle to check the fuse box but then the lights come on and everyone can see there's a body lying on the front of the fireplace with a large butcher knife sticking out of its back there's blood pooling on the carpet okay danielle whose body is it Okay, let's think here. We have not located the uncle, have we? But why would they care if the uncle... Mm. Well, she said she, said she was going to ask her uncle to check the fuse box. But we don't know his location. We know all the kids were dancing. But there was a strobe light happening, mm. like... I'm going to say it's Trisha. Well, the new figure is dressed in a skeleton costume. And as the party gathers around and closes in to see who it is, Les, remember the science nerd, Mm -hmm. jumps up and shouts, trick or treat. Oh, Jesus. 
He starts laughing and announces that he just scored a point for the wimp side because he got all of them. He goes on to explain that he and Justine cooked up the prank this morning and the prop knife had a tube attached to it where they could pump blood through to make it look really real. Murphy insists that, you know, they weren't really scared and that shouldn't count, but everyone seems to need a break from the dance and they sit down and start to have some snacks from the food table. They're on an adrenaline crash. Alex, of course, hits on Nikki a little bit, and Terry tells him to knock it off. And then Alex gets real and reminds Terry that, you know, the two of them, they used to be friends. But for some reason, Terry isn't taking the bait. There's something off about Alex these days. He's he's not ready to have him as a friend again. And Alex is like, you know, whatever. He can tell he's kind of been rejected. And he asks Nikki to dance, knowing it's going to really piss Terry off. But then, of course, Justine materializes and starts to, like, you know, dry hump Terry on the dance floor. Okay, Justine. So everyone's dancing and and having an awkward time. (laughs) Um, When there's a loud bang on the door. And a roar sounds in the distance. The doors slam open and two giant silver motorcycles roar right into the living room. Yes, just like weird science. (laughs) It's Bobby and Marty. Remember our two rapey jocks who didn't get invited to the party? So these two guys, um, just like the guys in weird science, exactly like them. Like they come in. They're in full, like, bully beast mode. When Justine's uncle asks them to leave, they kind of, like, push him into a wall. Uh, Terry steps in. He gets punched for his efforts. He ends up on the floor. Justine tells him that, you know, everything's been planned for only these nine people. But if they'll just leave now, she'll have another party. A special party, a bigger party, just for them next week. But they have to leave, like, right now. But, you know, Bobby and Marty aren't going anywhere. Terry's pretty sure that they're drunk or high or both, and they start to demand wine coolers. They love their BJs. (laughs) And they're so angry to find out that Uncle Phil doesn't drink. In fact, he doesn't keep any alcohol in the house. And Uncle Philip asks them to leave before he calls the police. But these are bullies. They start trashing the place. They're like emptying cabinets and throwing shit all around. They're breaking stuff. They're tearing down the decorations. Somewhere they find like a bottle of wine and they start passing it back and forth between them. Alex tries to get the jump on Marty, but he's not quick enough. And Marty just ends up holding Alex's arms while Bobby kicks him repeatedly in the stomach. Terry gets up and he kind of nods at David and they both start edging towards the motorcycles, right? And just as Marty and Bobby are distracted drinking the wine again, David and Terry get onto the bikes and they start them. And this, of course, brings Bobby and Marty running. 
And the second they get to them, both of the boys jump off and and use this as like a distraction to try to get the jump on them. Because again, they're bigger guys, but they're they're definitely drunk or fucked up yeah. or something. So it it doesn't quite work. Like David ends up actually like beating Marty up a little bit, but Terry's mostly just dodging Bobby. And once David gets Marty to the floor, he turns on it, he gets onto his motorcycle, drives it to the front door, and jumps off at the last second. And the motorcycle sails out of the house with no rider, and we can hear it crash in the front yard. And then David comes back to help Terry, and they tell Bobby if he doesn't leave now, they're going to do the same thing to his bike. So Bobby gets up. He goes to his bike and he leaves. And of course, he's yelling threats the whole time. Marty barely makes it out the door behind him. So now the threat is gone. And that was super weird. David asks Justine where the phone is. He wants to call the police to report all this. You know, they broke in. They vandalized everything like they need to call the cops. But Justine is adamant. You know, no police. No one was hurt. She really wants to continue with the party. After all, she worked so hard to plan it. And they haven't seen, like, all the surprises that she's she's done for them. <laughs> and Ricky announces that, you know, they also don't know who won the contest, the jocks or the wimps. So Justine tells everyone, you know what, okay, everybody just calm down. Like, let me reset a few things. Let me clean this up a little bit. I'll put out some more food. And then we can start the treasure hunt. The treasure hunt. Okay. The treasure hunt. While Angela stands against the fireplace, a panel behind her moves and the wall drops back. And Justine says that she's discovered one of the house's many hidden passages. And then Justine starts the treasure hunt. She has a list of items that she and Uncle Philip have hidden all over the mansion. The items can be found in the rooms on the first and second floor, as well as the basement and the attic. They are all spooky things. This sounds super fun. I don't know why we ever, like, didn't ever do this. I would do that. Have you ever done no. this? So, like, she says, like... The hand bones of a mummy, right? So she's, like, wrapped up a few little things in, like, cloth. And you gotta find it. Or, like, a bottle of blood. Or there's, like, a preserved tarantula. And the whole group is just, they're having a blast. They're hunting through each room for treasures. And we have to do this. Like, this, this is way too fun. And for now, the first time, we switch to Nikki's point okay. of view. Okay, so now we're Nikki. Now we're with Nikki, and she's also having a great time at the party. Uh, but she's super sus about Justine. Nikki can't stop thinking about it. Like, something is off. Like, something about this whole thing is off. The invitations, the weird stuff that's happening... She decides that this treasure hunt is actually a perfect opportunity to look around the house and find out more about who Justine really is while everybody's distracted. Oh. And we're, when you're trying to snoop, like, where's the best place to start? Usually a bedroom, right? 
Justine's bedroom. So, and Nikki agrees. She feels like you can definitely learn a lot about a person by their bedroom. And the first thing that strikes her is like how it doesn't feel like a kid's room. You know, if you go into Nikki's room, she's got band posters on the wall. So, you know, what kind of music she likes. Um, you know, she's got all kinds of knickknacks and pictures of her friends and, you know, different like things that she's interested in. Like all, that's something teenagers do. They decorate their room. This room is not like that at all. There are no decorations. There are no pictures. It's all very tidy. And aside from a few outfits that she's seen Justine wear in school, there's not really any other clothes either. She goes to her closet. She opens it. Still, only a few like sweaters and things that she's seen her wear. Where the hell are all of Justine's like at home clothes or coats or like other shoes or so she's really confused by it. And then she notices that in the back of the closet, there is a long crack that doesn't seem to fit. A crack? So she, like a crack down the center of the wall. Okay at the back of the closet. So she starts feeling around and she finds like a latch and pulls it. And the back of the closet opens up to reveal a hidden closet. And it is amazing. It is the walk-in closet of our dreams. It is huge racks of like sophisticated, like, pantsuits and dresses and ball gowns and fur coats and thousands of shoes and like dressers with like high-end lingerie like she begins to wonder if maybe Justine has like an older sister or if Uncle Philip has like a living girlfriend or something because these are not things that a teenager would wear right right and in one of the drawers, she finds a picture of Justine, and it's framed, and she has her arms around this, like, older man. And from the body language, this feels like a romantic picture. And when I say older man, I mean, like, 30 years older. Like, dude's got, like, gray hair. Okay. So, Nikki's starting to wonder like is Justine living like a double life where she's dating this like extremely older dude like is it illegal like what's happening uh she still doesn't know a whole lot about Justine so where's the next best place to snoop the adjoining bathroom check the medicine cabinet right Nikki knows what's up so she goes to the medicine cabinet she doesn't really find anything like out of the ordinary it's like toothpaste and all the normal stuff there are a few prescription bottles, and they all have the name Enid Cameron Enid on them. Camera. Cameron? Cameron. So she, Nikki's like, okay, is that actually Justine? Like, is this a situation where Justine's maybe married to Uncle Philip and he's not her uncle but her husband and that's like they have to do it that because it's like an age gap and it's Ew. kind of illegal like it's super gross so we jump back to Terry's perspective Terry is still having a great time like treasure hunting they find a bunch more stuff he's thinking to himself that you know David he's really not such a bad guy even though he's on the jock team he enters a room 
And he immediately stops. And he stares. Alex's body is hanging by the neck in the back of an open closet. And there is blood dripping down the front of his silver costume. Dave runs in behind Terry to see what's going on. And he immediately jumps back when he sees Alex's body. Terry thinks, okay, well, this this has to be a trick, right? But the, the angle of the neck... It's, it's too unnatural. And the body was so still, like it wasn't moving at all. So they just kind of back out of the room and they run down to get Justine and Uncle Philip so they can call the police. Uncle Philip wants to know what's going on and Terry explains that they just found Alex's dead body and that they need some help. But Justine still says that she doesn't want to call the police. And is Terry sure of what she saw? I mean, they're doing a lot of pranks and everything, like... Terry says, okay, well, why don't you guys come and see with me? So he takes him back to the closet. But of course, the body's gone. Of course. And everybody's a little pissed at Terry. Like, they think that, like, he's just trying to scare the other team. Terry moves towards the closet to see what's happening. But everything is gone. There's not even any blood on the floor. So everybody kind of heads back to the living room. When Nikki comes around the corner and wants to know why everyone looks so pissed. And Terry explains to her what just happened. That he really did see Alex's dead body. Nikki looks around and she asks, well, where is Alex? And the funny thing is, is no one has seen him for a while. So Nikki, who trusts Terry, insists that they should all go and look for Alex in the house. But of course, no one wants to search on their own, so they split up into groups and they start in Justine's room. And there, on the bed, is Alex's silver prince costume, stuffed with rags and red streamers pinned to the front that look a lot like flowing and dripping blood. Just then, Alex jumps out of Justine's bathroom in a blue bathrobe and he yells, Gotcha! Oh. Score for the oh, jock I team. they had this whole game thing going. Oh, yeah. And by the way, while they were all running around looking for him, the rest of the jock team was in on the gag, and they were going around collecting all the rest of the objects on the, the sheet. So they won the treasure hunt. Okay. David agrees that the blood did look pretty real, and Terry shouldn't feel so bad. But mostly Terry's just pissed to find out that David had been in on it the whole time because he was really just starting to like him. Nikki is pissed that Alex, uh, and lets Alex know that was a dick move. Like, we were seriously worried about you. These pranks suck. You guys need to stop. Uh, but Alex just kind of shrugs. He's like, hey, I gave you a lot of chances to join my team. Sorry about it. So Nikki takes Terry back to the living room where they sit off to the side and talk. She tells Terry all about the weird things that she found in Justine's room. But Terry seems kind of impressed. Like, he's like, you know, there could be simple explanations for, like, everything that you found. And speak of the devil, Justine shows up at the top of the stairs and leans over the banister to announce that the jock team has won the treasure hunt and that the prize is special chocolates from Paris. Alex reappears in his Silver Prince costume, and he walks up the banister to accept them. But before he can get to Justine, she kind of like, I guess she kind of swoons. Mm -hmm. 
and she reaches out on the banister to catch herself, but it breaks away, and Justine falls. Now she lands on a couch on the first floor living room and everybody rushes to see if she's dead, but she's fallen in such a way that she's not. She's fine. I think all that that's wrong with her is she's like sprained okay. a wrist. Because she fell. Um, Uncle Philip is pissed and he's like, who did this? Who tried to kill my niece? And he holds up a piece of the stair railing and he can show that it's been sawed. Like somebody cut the banister so it would give away. Les immediately blames the jock team, saying that, you know, some of their pranks have gone too far tonight and that this is just another one of them. Of course, they deny it, and no one's really accused again after that. Justine apologizes for wrecking the party, and of course, everybody's like, no, you know, you, this is great. Like, we're having a great time. And she's like, okay, well, so we can keep going then. And she excuses herself to go gather her self again because she just fell from a second story balcony so she needs to get it together Alex helps her up and starts like whispering something in her ear and just like because of their body language and the way that they're touching like it's it's becoming apparent that Alex and Justine are like a couple okay maybe and everybody's starting to kind of notice that but they haven't come out and said it and Nikki immediately is like, wow, I care about Alex. I used to date him. Justine, there's something really shady going on with her. I need to warn him about her. And Alex is like, or Terry says, well, I just think you're jealous that he's not paying attention to you right now like he normally does. And so this, there's this little fight and it ends with Nikki storming off to go find Alex to warn him about Justine and then Terry just kind of sitting on the couch and watching Bride of Frankenstein like sulking after their little fight and that's where he is when all the power goes out the only light is coming from the burnt down embers in the fireplace Terry squints at his watch and he sees that it's already 3 a.m. I mean, the party's going to be over soon. The party's over at sunrise. Uh, and in the dark, Justine's voice calls out and says that, you know, this isn't one of her tricks. The, there is a surprise thunderstorm outside. Surprise. Naturally. Uh, that has, <laughs> no one saw it coming. That has knocked out all the power. But you know what? It's fine because this is perfect for our next game. And the next game is called Truth, where you have to say the worst thing you've ever done and everyone else will decide if you're lying or not. And if you're lying, you'll have to pay a penalty, which Justine will decide. Okay. So Justine calls out Ricky first says hey do you want to go first and Ricky says that you know he really doesn't want to talk about it it was one time on Fear Island during an overnight trip like they thought someone was dead but then he couldn't go on and of course 
Remember I said I thought we'd seen Ricky yeah. before. This is a callback to the book. It's either number two mm. or three. The we, Overnight. We did that one? We did. Which yeah. I have. I don't... Did we cover no, the Overnight? Maybe not. We did, we did Night Games. I don't think we did the Overnight. They go and spend the night on Fear no, Island. No, I don't remember Fear Island. I don't remember anything about an island. Yeah, we have that one. We can go cover it. But this is a character from that book that we're seeing again in another book. So Justine says that because he failed to tell the story, he has to pay the penalty. He has to stand on one foot until she tells him to stop. He has to stand. Angela is next. Okay. Yes. Angela's next, and she admits, you know, without very much guilt at all, that she stole her sister's boyfriend last summer. <laughs> Angela doesn't give any fucks. Like, she's like, yeah, I stole my sister's boyfriend last summer. That's she was really sad about it. Yeah, that's yeah. the worst thing she's ever done. Then Murphy gets up and tells a story about how he cheated on a math test. Terry looks around in the dim light and he realizes Nikki's not in the room with them. In fact, he hasn't really seen her in a while. He asks the rest of the group if anybody's seen Nikki and everyone answers that they haven't and also they notice that Les is missing too. Terry finds a flashlight and he leaves the living room and the game to go and search for Nikki. He checks a bunch of rooms on the ground floor and then he ends up going upstairs to the attic. All the power is still cut and the storm is raging outside. There's dusty boxes everywhere. There's flashes of lightning that causes the room to go bright for a few seconds every few minutes. And he's about to leave the room finding nothing when he notices that there's a closet there with the door ajar. He goes to the closet and he opens it and in the flashlight beam he can see Les's dead but is Body. he really dead? It's crumpled. It's unblinking on the floor of the closet. Cold, dead eyes stare up at him, and there is a large butcher knife sticking out of his chest. But like you said, like this is not the first body that Terry's found tonight, and he's not about to fall for this again. So he starts, like, kind of shaking less, right? Telling him to stop with the jokes. You know, he's not going to freak out this time. But as he's doing that, like, he feels... Les is really cold. And this blood is wet. So he feels at his neck for a pulse and his wrist for a pulse. But there's nothing. Les is really dead. Terry stumbles down the stairs in a daze, and the group asks him what's wrong, and he announces that Les is dead. Of course, David calls him out for trying to, like, get back at him over the prank with Alex's body. But after a few minutes of, like, blank shock staring, they realize Terry's, Terry's serious. And right about then, Terry seems to snap out of it and starts to look around for a phone to call for help. David insists that... Terry show them the body just in case it's a prank again. 
So David and Terry go upstairs and he points to the open closet, which is now empty. David is pissed at first, but then he gets closer and he sees that while there's no body there, there is a large pool of blood on the floor of the closet and a blood smear leading out of the closet. So they follow the smear trail on the floor with their flashlights to see that it leads to an open window. They both look out and Les's body is spread on the roof of a turret on the floor below. The butcher knife is still sticking out of his chest and flashing lightning is reflecting with every strike. Less dead. He's really most sincerely dead. Alright. Now, for some reason the boys think that it's a good reason to crawl out on the roof to retrieve Wes's body. Only men. Like, why? Leave him the hell out there. It's there. You can't help him right now. But they do. Like, there's a whole scene where they have trouble getting him back through the window. But they get his body, they cover it up, and they decide... Les was obviously murdered, right? They need to call the police. But they decide, for some reason, it would be better for Uncle Philip to call the police uh, than them. And also, they don't really want to tell the rest of the party because whoever killed him could maybe try to get away. So they go downstairs and they, they look for Uncle Philip, but they can't find him. Um, they can't find him anywhere. So they're like, you know what? Screw this. Like, it, we, we have to get some help. We're just going to call the police ourselves. But when they reach the phone, they discover the phone lines have been cut. So as it stands now, Les is dead. Someone definitely killed him. The power is out. The phones have been cut. The one adult chaperone is nowhere to be found. And oh yeah, Nikki is still missing. She's still missing. They never found her. They found Les instead. David and Terry decide to tell the rest of the group what happened. And of course, no one believes them. They think, you know, they're just, they're still playing the game. And because it's almost morning, they're getting desperate for scares, which doesn't really make sense, but okay. It takes a few minutes to convince everybody that no shit, we're in danger. And when it clicks for Angela, she kind of freaks out. Like she's yelling that there's a murderer in the house. She wants to go home. She runs out of the front door into the raging thunderstorm, only to scream in pain. It turns out that when Marty and Bobby drove their motorcycles into the house, they put a piece of plywood on the stairs to use as a ramp. Well, guess what? Angela tripped over it, and now she has a sprained ankle. So Angela's not going anywhere. David announces he's going to go and grab his car and get some help. I mean, they're not on the moon. Like, he's going to go through the storm and get his car and go get the police. He tells them all to stay where they are and stay together in the living room while he goes to get the cops. He puts on his jacket. He heads out into the storm. 
Terry, however, picks up the flashlight and announces that he's going to go look for Nikki because she's still missing. She's been missing for over an hour. And Alex jumps up to go and help him. Now we switch to David's perspective. And remember, David's running out in the storm for help. He's never been so scared in his life. He keeps thinking about Les's body and about how lifeless his eyes were. He's just getting pummeled by rain and he's just praying not to get struck by lightning. But eventually he reaches Fear's to Fear Cemetery and he's like dodging graves and heading to where they all parked on Fear Street. And understand like he's he's kind of got his head on a swivel because Bobby and Marty are still out there somewhere. Right? Like they could be just like waiting for people to leave the house. When he gets to his car, all the tires are slashed. He's not driving anywhere in his car. So he's like, okay, well, what do I do now? So he looks up, he realizes it is Fear Street, but it's still a street. Like there's houses on the street. Like I can just go knock on the doors of these houses until somebody wakes up and gets me a phone right. and gets me some help. So he takes a step in that direction and here come Bobby and Marty on Bobby's motorcycle and they're blocking his path and they're throwing lots of threats and saying they're going to beat the shit out of him and all the things that people on motorcycles say when they're trying to be intimidating um, but they, they again they're, they're blocking him from the houses on the street he also notices that they're still pretty drunk so he's like fuck it I'm going to run for it so he turns and runs back into the cemetery and like you do, he trips and hits his head on a gravestone, like pretty hard. And before he blacks out completely, I, was, I say forgot they're near a graveyard. I was like, wait, where did the grave come? Yes. So, yeah, to get to the party, they all parked on the street, had to walk through the woods and through the graveyard to get to the mansion. So it's like you run through a little bit of woods and you're in the graveyard. So he hits his head on a gravestone and before he blacks out like 100%, he can feel Bobby and Marty dragging his body into the woods. And then there's a fade out. And now we're back with Terry. So Terry and Alex are still looking for Nikki, right? They've, they've not had any luck. They've searched most of the rooms on the ground floor. They pass by the living room and Justine comes up and she says, listen, like I know this house better than anybody. Let me sub in for Alex. Alex, you go help Angela. Um, I'm going to help look for Nikki. You know, Terry, why don't you go down to the basement and check there? Cause I don't think you've checked there yet. And then I'm going to search the rest of the rooms on this floor. Maybe she's in like one of the passages. Yeah. I'm going to go see. So Terry heads down to the basement by himself and it is just as scary as you think it is what you would expect, right? Like fucking spiders mm. everywhere. Oh, hang on. We booped a snoop <laughs> and pat the tummy. Oh, night, night, Rosie. That's our ritual. What? A beverage. Um, I'm good right now. Thank you. Yeah, every night she gets carried around to every family member and we boop the snoop and pat the tummy. Um, 
It's fun <laughs> having a baby. So he's in the basement. He's looking around. He's got his flashlight beam. There's spiders everywhere. It's disgusting. Uh, the big hairy kind. And he sees this like pile of clothes that looks different from from everything else. Like it's not decayed or grayed or anything. And then the pile of clothes moves. Ooh. It's Nikki. She's coming to, she's dazed. Someone knocked Nikki out and put her in the basement. And he's like, what's the last thing you remember? And she's like, well, we, we had our fight. I went back up to Justine's room to the secret closet. I thought there's got to be something I missed before. I found this newspaper clipping that showed the Camerons that lived here originally died in a fiery car crash 28 years ago on mm. Halloween night. They were driving on Fear Street. There were two cars drag racing who like hit them and pushed them off into a tree where they were trapped inside their car somehow and the car caught fire. So they burned alive inside this car. Right? And the article lists the names of all the people in the cars that were drag racing. And guess what? All the kids at the party are represented by having a parent who was in one of those two cars. I love it. And then she holds up a driver's license that she found with Justine's picture, but the name reads Enid Cameron. Justine is actually the daughter of the two people who burned alive in the car crash and everybody at the party was in one of the two cars responsible for it are we understanding yes. what's happening yet we're with it because it's pretty obvious terry was slow to get it okay but he, he does he finally gets it and they decide okay well we gotta warn everybody because it's definitely justine hang on i love you Night, 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 into the living room they meet justine and they're trying to explain to everybody that justine is mm -hmm. a killer and justine's like good job guys like this was great like we really got him and they're like no no justine's a killer and she's like come on you don't have to do the joke anymore right. like and they're like no no you for real killed less we know all about you. We know all about the car crash, all the things. And she's like, if I killed Les, please. She's like, Les is just helping me set up the next game here in the dining room. 
And she opens these big double doors to this dining room and she goes and she's like talking to Les. She's like, come on everybody, this is where the game is. And everyone goes into the dining room and it is dark and there's a long table with wrapped, gift wrapped boxes okay. at the place settings. There's a single candelabra in the middle of the table and at the head of the table sits Les. Wearing sunglasses. Weekend at Bernie's style. So as everybody... Yeah, exactly. So as everybody gets closer to Les and is like, Wow, you're such a jerk. Like, we really thought you were dead. They realize... Oh. That's his body. Oh, he is. And the second that clicks... Angela screams. Trisha's like, Oh, I'm gonna throw up. Whatever. Justine scoots her ass out the door, closes it, and oh, locks Lord. it. So everybody's freaking yeah. out a little bit, right? You just got locked in this room with this dead body. Justine is for sure a killer. Like, shit is going yeah. down. Um. They look to the window. There's one window. Maybe they can get out that way. But remember, all the windows on the ground floor have security oh, right. bars on them. So there's no way to get out the window. And as they're trying to see if there's a way to maybe pry the bars off, Justine shows up in the window just outside. And she's shining a flashlight on her face like a crazy person. And she goes into her evil villain Love it. monologue. Okay. Justine explains through the window, still shining the light on her face, that she wants them all to sit down and open their presents. She went to so much trouble, she doesn't want them to spoil the surprise. They don't want her to get angry, do they? And who knows what would happen? if Justine were to be angry. So they all kind of mill towards the table and open the boxes. And inside each box are framed pictures of a young couple dressed in clothes from the 60s. Justine explains through the window, still shining the light on her face, that the pictures are of her parents who were young and happy and 28 years ago on Halloween night they were visiting friends and they were heading home to their one year old daughter who they loved very much by the way Justine is a coot bitch is like 30 masquerading oh. as a teenager there's a reason she has all those boobs years ago right yeah. So she's like 30. She's not quite 30. She's 20, 28, 29. Way too old to be passing for a teenager. And also there was that little bit about her, you know, relationship with Alex. Pretty sure that's illegal. Justine's parents were killed. Murdered. They were trapped. They were burned alive by two cars of teenagers who weren't even injured. And because they never paid like her parents did, she decided that they would all pay for them. 
Les went first because his father was driving the car that hit her parents. But the rest of them, they're going to go together. Trapped. Burned alive. And they're trying to keep her talking, right? Like, Nikki starts asking questions. Terry starts asking questions. Justine admits to knocking Nikki out and putting her uh, in the basement. She used the dumbwaiter system in the house to get her down there. She admits to sawing the banister herself so that she could remove suspicion as uh, being the killer. But then she tells them to look up and they see a huge speaker system installed on the ceiling. And she starts playing a cassette tape with recordings of car crash sounds on it so that she can recreate the way her parents died. Oh, and she sets the room on fire. So there's that. The room starts to fill with smoke and some people start to panic, right? It's, it's what happens in any kind of a, a extreme situation. Like some kids shut down, like they start holding each other and crying. Others are like scratching desperately at the window to try to find a way out. The only person who's not losing her shit is Nikki. And she remembers what Justine said about the dumbwaiter and she starts searching along the wall and she finds a cabinet. And in fact, there is a dumbwaiter system. It's not very big, but Nikki's pretty petite. So she gets in the basket and Terry lowers her down into the basement. And the idea is that she'll get out through the basement and try to come set them free, either through the dining room doors or through the window. But when she's in the basement, she finds Uncle Philip all tied up. He, she releases him and he says, you know, he's very sorry. He had no idea that Enid would go this far. He finds a crowbar and they escape the basement and they pry off the security grate from the outside of the dining room window. They get all the kids out just in time to see the dining room go up in flames. They run to the front lawn and they look back to see the house is completely covered, burning from basement to attic. And the sun has started to come up. David stumbles out of Fear Woods and tells everyone about what happened with Bobby and Marty. He says he woke up in a shed near Fear Cemetery, and then he went to the nearest house to call the police. Uncle Philip apologizes again. He says that he did help Justine plan most of the party, but he didn't think she'd go this far. Like, they were both upset. They both wanted revenge. They wanted to scare the kids, but... He didn't think she would actually hurt someone until he found Les's body. He tried to protect her by hiding it and throwing it out a window like you do. Um, but, you know, she saw him doing that and she got angry and she knocked him out and tied him up in the basement. Just then, Justine shows up in front of them on the lawn. 
bitch looks crazy. Remember, she's got like this vampire right. gown on. She is all soot streaked and wild hair and wild eyes. And she starts screaming at Uncle Philip for being a traitor. And then she takes off at a dead run into the burning house. Into the house. Uncle Philip falls behind her blindly, and now they're both running into the burning house, and Nikki screams for someone to grab them. Justine stops just inside the main doorway as her gown catches fire, and she starts to kind of sway back and forth. Terry catches her around the waist, but instead of letting him pull her out, she grabs him and pulls him farther into the house. Terry's not sure what happened next, although he knows he was knocked onto the ground and grabbed and pulled out of the house by Alex. He pulls Terry and Justine out of the house one by one. Terry's not really burned, but he can see as Alex puts the flames out on Justine's dress that she is badly burned. Terry thanks Alex for saving his life, and that's when all the cops and paramedics in the world show up and question and treat everyone. Ricky makes a crack that it's morning. They all made it. It's not Halloween anymore. But then Nikki reminds everyone that it's always Halloween on Fear Street. Wow. And that's how it ends. That was a fun one. I liked that one. Although I don't understand random costumes. No, I don't that understand have to be most of the costume choices, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> when you're making costume choices, do you take into account like, okay, am I going to have to tell no. everybody what I am or are they just going to get it? I make sure that people know who I am. Though sometimes we've picked like obscure characters that people don't know who I am or if like something was lacking from a costume that was my own fault, you know, but I always try to make sure I'm not them out of the out right. of the box like what you know but who are you the supposed best one to be I ever got though was we did gosh I don't know how many years ago we did Robin Hood and Prince John like the Disney Robin Hood and Prince John and I was Prince John and we painted our faces you know the whole shebang I lion tail lion ear I loved that costume right and we spent a really long time on makeup and stuff. And Mike made yeah. me this like awesome crown that was like too big for my head, so it looked like you know his lopsided. So good, and That's I love so it. So good. But the funniest thing about us, so like Robin Hood's already not that popular of a movie. It's getting some traction now, but it generally it's so gen- popular. That's I grew up age, with though, Robin right? Hood, so like there's a gap, right? You know, it's like we had it, some people didn't have it, you know. So it's one of those that's like, it is and it isn't, right? So, and this was before like all the lounge fly bags and things that are coming out in the last couple of years. So it's having a renaissance at this time. But this was like probably like six years ago, maybe more. So we get into Disneyland and we go into a store because we want to buy something that's like exclusive. So we go right into a store, right? 
and I'm looking at this thing and I'm in this costume and I'm already kind of self-conscious. It's a lot of makeup. You know, we already got some compliments. I'm like, okay, it's fine. People get it, you know, but Mike wasn't next to me. So I was like, he's, Robin Hood is gone. So, and I hear, overhear this girl and she's like, is that supposed to be bed knobs and broomsticks? And I'm like, where did you pull bed knobs and broomsticks out of your butt? But you don't know Robin Hood. I was like, because I, I think I made a face at her because I heard it, but she wasn't directing it at me. And I was like, yeah, bed knobs and broomsticks. Like, that's even the most obscure movie. And the oh hilarious. Oh my God. But that's why if yeah. you dressed up, like, no one would know. Right. And that's the hilarious like thing, though, that this was the time when Disney wow. was reusing a lot of, you know, animation cells and bought, you know, all that stuff. So the king, the Lion King, in Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, <sighs> is essentially the same face as Prince John. Different body, more hair, the whole thing. Right. But I'm like... You're looking at me and you're thinking bed knobs and broomsticks. And I look nothing like bed knobs and broomsticks. But I am sure if Mike had been there, it would have been like, okay. But because I was by myself. So that was like one of the funnier times where I was like, what? It was really funny. Yeah. And then when we were, we did Barf and Dot from Facebook. And Mike looked amazing. Mike looked amazing. I kind of look kind of thrown together because Dot is hard, you know, because she's all gold. And I did my best. Didn't want to do a full face at Disneyland. So I did my best, but I could. I had like, I don't know how many layers of gold costuming on my body. I had leggings. I had shorts. I had a Transformers costume that I had like just to use the pieces. And then Mike made me an apron that had like her thing. I had so many layers on. It was insane. And Every five minutes, someone is like, oh, my God, Barf's amazing. And no one said a damn thing to me. And I'm like, fuck this costume. I was so angry. And I was just like, all night oh, taking pictures oh, no. of just Mike with random girls. And I'm like, this is awesome. I love this. I love this so much. I want to go home. <laughs> like, I'm so done. <laughs> but only. Only a few people understood that I was Dot. I think some people thought I was C-3PO, even though I had. Like the next year he needs to be the ass end of a horse. (laughs) So yeah, we we usually try to do something fun. Last year we did, we kind of, we toned it down a bit, but we still try to do something. So last year we did um, Mike and, did you watch Monsters? the Monsters Go to Work show on Disney Plus. Yeah, so it's like they uh, go to work. No. You know, Monsters at Work is what it was called. It was really cute. And there's a character in there, and he's like the bad version of Mike Wazowski. He's like a brat, and he's like kind of blueberry blue. So we did Mike, and his name is Gary. So we did Mike and Gary, and we found like we made hard hats for Monsters Inc. and we had little lunch boxes, and a few people actually did call it out. Oh, Mike and Gary! Cute. So a few people got it, which was fun, and yeah, because <laughs> we had shirts with the big eyeballs. You know, this year we're doing Hercules, so that's <laughs> that's right. our that is our adventure this year. <laughs> 
Super fun. Well, I hope you have fun. I don't get invited to parties like the one in our book where everybody dresses up hardcore. I'm not that cool. I haven't been for a while. Uh, I go to Disneyland. Right. Well, we're going to have to figure something out. Like, my kids are transitioning uh, out. And I don't want to, like, do nothing. Like, we have to do, like, I'm I'm the the holiday mom. Um. Like, so, like, we gotta, we gotta do some, like, either new traditions or, like, if we're too old to trick or treat now, like, we gotta, we gotta come up with some cool stuff. She's not, and Roman's really not either, but the problem is, is he's six foot, and he looks like he's 17, and he's not. He's 12, and it's not fair. Just give him a sticker. But, like, he's gonna get shit. (laughs) See, I was, I know. And no one will believe me. But he has a very young face. Like he's very like, tall, but he guys. still has like a young face. But I think the braces <laughs> add to it. Like I don't know, but yeah. Regardless, Natalie is ten, so we are coming up on a time yeah. where I'm going to have to figure something out. Um, and I just don't know what that is. <laughs> if anybody wants to help me, please share your traditions that you do with older kids, like at home on Halloween. Like I've got, we already do all the things. Like we already carve the mm-hmm. pumpkins. We already watch the movies. Like they, they Halloween town is a must. Hocus Pocus is a must. <laughs> we watch all the sequels. Like we do that. Like we make special treats. We do all the things, but I feel like Halloween night itself should contain some kind of a something where you live, that I so can carry into that. that yeah. yeah, it's hard. That yeah, no trick-or-treaters on the mountain for sure. And I can't have a party because every right. who's going to drive That's the all thing the way that, to like, my I house. transitioned into, you know, it was like I stopped trick-or-treating or I, you know, so I started giving out candy instead. And, like, that was fun. You know, like. I would I would love to give out candy. That is my dream. I have never I've been I grew up poor right. and then we lived in the country. So I've never been in a situation of like a neighborhood where I yeah. like had constant doorbell ringing where I could just like give out tons of candy. Like I've always wanted to do that and never that's gotten the fun to right now. And like seeing all the little, little kids in costumes. Like that's the fun. I know. I want to see all the co- like all the things and like live vicariously through them as they run from door yeah, to door. So you have a good idea for what like, to do with teen with somewhat teenage no like preteen children. Yeah, preteens. I have Natalie pre-teens. still has a couple years left though. She's she can pre-teens. still trick or treat if she wants to. I think so, and and she will. Yeah. She will go until we tell her to stop. Good. She yeah. has no shame I mean, I about that kind of thing. We were walking in the grocery store the other day. And, and she, say trick or treat, I'm all about it. I'd rather you be trick or treating Yeah. Oh my God. I would never care. I would never care. If teenagers yeah. came to my door and they were all dressed up and having fun, cool. Like, I don't know yeah, why people get so attitude about one thing. it. But if there's, if there's literally just doing whatever, well, who cares? Who cares? I think that, like, there's some people that once kids cross a certain age line, they Mm -hmm. can't handle it. Like, no matter what they're doing, like, they're pretty sure they're assholes. I don't care. If you're nice and say trick or treat, I will give you candy. (laughs) That's all. You know who else is nice? The Patriots. 
Our Patreon is our nice. Patreon donors. Our Patreon is very nice, and we appreciate them so very much. And I don't think the five star review came from a patron. Do you know? Was she a patron who left the five star? I don't. I don't think so. It may be okay. our new Facebook homie. I'm in a um. I'm in like an 80s Facebook group and like okay. I got she added us. So I got I got a notification and I was like, what? This is someone we don't know. And she was like talking about how great our show was and like how everybody should check it out. And I'm like, <gasps> well, hello. Yes. So we appreciate, <laughs> appreciate our recent. Why? Well, thank you. It had been a while. So we were we were very pleasantly surprised and we appreciate it so very much. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if you so feel, awesome. you know, we're getting into the spirit of giving or the season of giving, you know, Thanksgiving is soon and so is Christmas. So if you yes. want to give us something, you yes. can give us five-star yes. reviews. That's what you can gift us this year for Christmas or Thanksgiving yes. or whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever else is out there. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> All the things. Yeah. But if you're feeling frisky about it, yeah. you could also give to our Patreon. There are a handful of people right now that pay for the show for everybody. And it would be super cool if we could have some more people help out with that. Um, so, Danielle, do you, can you tell them Patreon. where to find Patreon? Slash next with Stein, right? Is it a slash? Yes. I don't even know. Gosh. I'm yes. A terrible hostess. Yes. So it's patreon.com slash next with Stein. And there's a few tiers there that you can check out. And basically, it's just a nice little way of helping out the show, helping us, you know, with our subscriptions for all of our content and our equipment and our books and all that fun stuff. So you're basically, if you love us, you're supporting us. And yeah, it's it's not very expensive. So if you can find it in the kindness of your heart and want to support us, we would love it. So, yeah. So, very cool. Check out Patreon if you want. Leave a five-star review if we want. That's super helpful for us. But since Amazon Music reached out to us and we're on Amazon Music now, well, they are right. own, yeah. Audible. Amazon owns Audible. So, we're automatically on Audible. So, if you do um, audiobooks through Audible, uh, you can also subscribe to the Snacks with Stein podcast yeah. uh, there as well. So, it's it. just another place... <laughs> You can find us. I swear to God. I Google Snacks with Stein and I'm like, I didn't know we were there. What is that? What is this website? I've never all heard of this. We're all over the place. So look out for some special episodes that are coming. Uh, they're going to be dropping in October for spooky season. We have recorded some extra special content just for this time of year uh, that we think that you will enjoy. So be watching the, watching the feed for those to drop. And until next time. Bye.